man, there were like TV stations and media outlets and websites from all around the world hitting me directly like, can we post this video? We love it. I knew at that point that we had something. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another boardroom out of office. Today, I'm sitting with a New York native, a legendary New Yorker, someone who's used the city as a backdrop to his greatness, which I obviously admire as much as anything. Um, and someone who's going to tell you their story today that I know you'll all be blown away by. So please welcome to the show, my friend, Mr. Nigel Sylvester. Appreciate you, man. That was amazing. Wasn't that good right that was, off the top? That was smooth, man. Oh, man. That's what I do. <laughs> Freestyle. One take. Um, so if someone introduced you to like a layman, right? because I think there's a lot of kind of phrases one could use, mm -hmm. what would you use to describe yourself in that like one or two seconds that you get when you meet someone man that's a hard one bro <laughs> but do you go bmx biker or are you definitely it would be he's a professional bmx athlete that's what and that's what you would say yes yeah, what i would say i respect that i like that because i think sometimes people that have so much that they do mm -hmm. these entrepreneurs um or you know talent that goes on to build an entire enterprise like to list off like, nah, you can't Everything. even call me a BMX biker. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's okay to, yeah, of course. to rest on like what it was that, you know, opened up the world to you. Of course. And like at the core, that's what it is. Yeah. Like I still go outside and ride my bike and have that feeling, right? Like I get energized. I get the adrenaline rush when I'm on my bicycle cutting through traffic going like up the wrong way, you know, yeah. something like that. So only you can do that, bro. No, it's amazing, bro. I love it. It's your paintbrush, it's your microphone, it's everything. Right. It's everything. It's everything, man. It's 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 sometimes the actual canvas of like what mm. I want to create. Yeah. It's literally an extension of myself. And even like, you know, we'll get into all of this, but even coming into this interview when I asked like, you know, where you had been, you were in Barcelona and Miami for two different brands. And yeah. I think about this a, a lot as it, you know, relates to my relationship with Kevin and being his manager and thinking about where basketball has taken him all over the world. And mm -hmm. it must just amaze you still to think about like, from the moment you first jumped on that bike till now going to shoot cologne campaigns in mm -hmm. Barcelona and tequila, <laughs> activations in Miami and you was just jumping on your bike. It's crazy, man. Um, so, yeah, so I was in Barcelona. We shot this cologne campaign and I was actually taking a bubble bath in the hotel and I was thinking about <laughs> life and I was like, wow, like I literally manifested all of this, yeah. you know, of course, by the grace of God. But to your point, man, like when I first got on my bicycle, I didn't know it would get to where it is now dreamt about it and wanted it something to, sort of like to look like what it is now but i didn't know exactly what it was going to yeah. be man and it's a blessing and when was this first time that you jumped on a bicycle man as far as i could remember i've been riding bicycles since i was about four like four years old was it like same type of story like mom or dad got you on the bike stood held the back of the seat or was it just <laughs> nah. like you know when you see the clips of tiger swinging a golf club yep. at four or five was it mm -hmm. similar like you jumped mm -hmm. on and you knew um mom and dad weren't there okay mom and dad was at work yeah. <laughs> working i was at my grandmother's house and my grandmother's house she had a long driveway and she lived in queens probably half a mile from where i grew up and she took care of a bunch of kids in the neighborhood so there was also a bunch of toys bicycles things around and my older cousins they were super into bicycle riding um so they had like those really dope gts and dinos all the colors in the mags and i was always like in awe of those things 
So I remember um, my cousin was in the driveway fixing his bicycle and they had a little three-wheeler that was in the driveway. And for some reason, I don't know why, I got on it and I started pedaling as fast as I can. And while I'm in the driveway pedaling like the three-wheeler around, um, for some reason I locked up the front wheel because like, the pedals of a three-wheeler is on, on the front wheel. Yeah. And when I locked up the front wheel, the back of the three-wheeler kind of drifted around. <laughs> and my older cousin was like, oh, shit, do that again. <laughs> oh, he thought you, like, caught up. Right. He thought I did it on purpose. I just did it just to do it because I was just yeah, having yeah, fun. Yeah. And I did it. And then he was in such awe. He was like, man, like, I keep doing that. And I, he set up these cones around the driveway. And I remember, like, days later, I was just, like, in my grandmother's driveway doing drifts on my three-wheeler around these cones. And I think that's the moment I fell in love with bike riding. You know why that's crazy to me? Because it's sometimes it's like, um, and I'm sorry if I make these analogies at times to Kevin, it's whenever I talk to someone who's the best at what they do, mm. I always find that there's so many similarities. Right. And it's like you get to the top and it could be a bike or a basketball or a paintbrush. But it feels like there was something that you got out of the reaction. Right. More so than the bike that you were mm. like, I just want that feeling. I want to make people feel that way. Was it that a bit? Definitely, because at that point in time, for me, it was proving to my older cousins that like I can be cool yeah. <laughs> and I can be down with them. You know, yep. I feel like every like young kid, you want to hang out with your older siblings and whatnot. Um, and that reaction also brought us closer together. And then me seeing that, I was like, okay, I want to continue to deliver that, <laughs> you know? Give um, you value. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's like it was you were performing. Right. You felt accepted in some way. Right. Um, and then you were good at it. Yeah. I was good at it, man. And I remember like probably shortly after that, my mom got me like my first bike and went to like Toys R Us, bought the bike, threw it in the, in the back of the car. And she took it out the car and gave it to me. And I jumped on it and took it right off. Like she never had to hold my neck or hold the handlebars. I got on it. A little bit, kind of like squiggled around, and then I was yeah. off to the races. Well, that's like that greatness trait you right. had. Mm -hmm. So you grew up in Queens, New York. Yeah, Laurelton, Queens. A lot of legends from Queens. Man, Queens is vibrant. Vibrant. <laughs> was there a, a role model or someone that was fresh that you looked up to growing up? That because part of your whole thing is, you know, your ability to be fresh to like have people want to follow you to wear brands and make it look right to have mm -hmm. the fit right to create the video right. Who was that model for you at all? Um, definitely my older brother, Adrian. And then just cats in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like some of his friends and you know, we had like those neighborhood legends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whether they had like the dope cars or the dope bicycles or they dressed fresh or they were just the best at what they did. Just in the how they moved, right? right? They just moved like with like, a certain aura, you know what I mean? With this basketball or football or they could run fast or they can rap, whatever the case is. Like, I know we all have those like neighborhood legends in our, like where we come from. So I had a bunch of those as well. Yeah. There was a lot of those. It was like, it could be the, the, the man or the woman that walked in the, bodega with confidence right? right with a different level of confidence and and then all of a sudden you got fixated on that person and I see some of those people in the city that I knew growing up that I would play ball with and I see the way they are and it's like you can't forget that um connection you, you had to like someone young like when you were young that you looked up to you don't man I remember this one dude his name was Jay Bird and he just had like a really big personality he was good at ball and like 
<laughs> he walked into the room. He just owned it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, man, that's that's dope. Yeah, he like was one at of that those time, legends. You, you know? wanted to be Jay Bird for Hell a minute. Yeah. Yeah. For a minute, definitely. Yeah. Who didn't? You know exactly. what I mean? One of those things. So you you break off from Toys R Us, and then what is it like the thing where um, like the Hooper never lets go of the ball? Did you just never get rid of your bike? Man, it was always there. Like always. Like each summer, had to get a new bike, or whether it was like getting a hand-me-down bike, just always around bicycles, right? Because growing up in, in Laurelton, right, if I wanted to go to the park, I wanted to go meet up with my friends, the quickest way there was on a bicycle. So it was like, always had that. And in between those moments, right, whether I was riding to the basketball court or riding to my friend's backyard to like play ball or riding to the park to play football or going to the corner store, it was always on a bicycle. And in between that journey, Right in between point A to point B, I hit a curb cut or I pop a wheelie or try to go as fast as I can or ride with no hands. It was always a thing, you know. And did people start to be like, "Oh, yo, there's Nigel again"? Eventually, yeah. Eventually, because they most kids in my neighborhood had a bicycle. Right, we think about the bicycle; it's a rite of passage in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at some point, most kids ride a bicycle or have one, and so everyone had a bicycle. Um, but when I started to do tricks, right, like make little ramps, like I'll take an old tire and a board and I'll set it up <laughs> and I'll go back as far as I can and I'll pedal my ass off and try to get as much air as possible. When I started to do those type of things and people would be like, okay, cool, like you're actually taking this serious or I'm trying to pop a willy a whole block long, not just a couple car lengths, but like yeah. a whole block. People started to notice, like, okay, cool, like we get it. And you know did you I mean? have like a crew with you that you was like, somehow gathered around you and followed you through the hood a bit? Yeah, man. Like, actually, I was always the youngest kid in the pack. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so there was a bunch of these guys in Queens that yeah. you were with. Yeah, around, like, when I was probably 11 around there, like 11, 12 years old, like, I started to find other kids who rode BMX in that same way. Because at that point, I could really leave the block and go do my yeah. thing. So I would go to, like... Not the park in my neighborhood, but the one a little bit outside of it, yep. per se. You know what I mean? I started to meet these other kids who rode bikes, and they were all older, and they were nice. You know, at that point in time, the d definition yeah. of nice, yeah. they were nice. And I would take what I would learn from there and bring it back to my block, and people would be like, oh, okay, like, you're starting to get, starting to, starting to get cool here. You know what I mean? It's, it's starting to be a thing, so... That's what that was about. And were know? mom and dad like, what are you doing now? Like, was enough with the bike, or did, were they aware that you had some kind of gift, you think, early? They weren't aware early. They knew I had a passion and a love for bicycle riding, but I don't think they knew it was an actual gift until way later on, you know? Um, but they would take me to the skate park. I remember there were probably like two or three times they took me to the skate park because the skate park was far. You know what I mean? It wasn't close, right? Yeah. Like we had a park in Owl's Head um, Park in, uh, in Bay Ridge. Yeah. The other one was Mullally's in the Bronx by Yankee Stadium. And then the third one was 108 in Riverside, how to skate park. I know that one, yeah. So think about the location of each of those parks from Laurelton, Queens. It's a mission. Mission. Is, is there more now? Are there, is there more access? Way more now. They pop up everywhere now, which is amazing because kids have that access now. Yeah, for like biking and skating, right? Yeah, everywhere now, which is dope to see. So they took you. They knew you had something. I mean, if you're really, really good at something... Mm -hmm. And your parents identified that in you. They probably were like, well, let's see 
<laughs> Let's right, see what like, this is. They were like, we'll take you just so you can stop bugging us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, be on them. Like, please take me to this game. I need to go jump on this ramp. Please, please, please. So, like, they, like, they took me and they made sure I had a decent bike each summer. Like, they didn't buy me the best bike. Yeah. But they'll do what they can and, and which I'm forever grateful for. Do you remember a time in which you started to see it as, all right, hold up. What am I doing now? Like with this gift, with this ability and, you know, that feeling that I'm getting from people, that they're reacting. And when you said, all right, I got to turn this into some type of some type of business because competing was never what it was for you. Right. Which I was amazed the first time you told me. But you're a showman. So Mm. at some point, did you say, all right, let's get out of Queens. Let me take this bike now and and see what else is out there. hundred percent. hundred percent, man. Um. That came around, I had to be about like 14, 15 years old. I believe it was like right when 10th grade started. So that's around like, I saw a kind of cute track. It's like the grade, you know? And um, I actually met this kid who also rode bikes and he was from like like a neighborhood over. He was from Cambridge Heights. I grew up in Laurelton and he grew up in, in, in Cambridge Heights. And he put me on to what was going on in the city. (laughs) because <laughs> at that point I wasn't really coming yeah. to the city to ride I wasn't coming at all I really I'll, I'll go to the skate parks and I would just stay in Queens yeah. like I didn't jump on a train or anything like that to go to the city yet yeah. and he told me about like listen Union Square that's where all the bike riders all the skate that's where everyone meets up and go kick it like the best guys that ride in the city go there and I was like you sure he was like yeah <laughs> mind you I didn't do no research I was just like okay that's where I'm going so I remember like cutting school one day and I left my bike at his house because my mom worked nights. So I knew she's home during the day. So I couldn't come home early from school to get my bike <laughs> and then Smart leave because I know she would be like, well, what you doing home so early? Yeah. So I stashed my bike at his crib um, the night before and then I left school early, went by myself. He didn't come, <laughs> like, went by myself, grabbed my bike, jumped on the train, um, I went to the city and I got to, um, to Union Square and I lie to you not like when I got out of the train station I seen all these dope BMX riders oh and I was like I knew I was in the right place like it at was that like moment I knew the was it a warm day yeah it was like it was, it was probably like early fall so people were out right people up the out. ramps the what was the um what's it called the sprinklers out sprinklers were out they had and like they like, used to put like little like um a plywood on the stairs and they'll like use that as the ramp and go up the stairs and i met some of the dopest bmx riders in new york city that night and did you just make that home then 100 percent. it went it, it turned into home the second i got off that train station and seen those guys did you go back to school yeah i went to school like the next day okay <laughs> I didn't know if that was really it. But as soon as school was over, you went right into Union Square. Yeah, it was it was my thing. And like on the weekends, days off, summertime, I was literally like in the city at Union Square or in Brooklyn hanging out with those kids. Wherever they were, I was. And that's when I really like started leaving Queens like all the time. And was there greatness in Union Square? Were there hundred percent some of the best bike riders in the world? All in New York at that time. Right. In New York, bro. Like, cause some of the best BMX riders to ever touch a bicycle would come from New York City, and those guys were at Union Square, like perfecting their craft, practicing, chilling, hanging out. It was a chill spot. We did everything there. We ate lunch there. We ate dinner there. We rode. 
talk to girls, like all of it. Like I learned so much about life being at Union Square for all of that time, you know? I just walked through there and almost probably got hit by that bike every fucking I'm summer. I'm sure you probably did. I was we always there. in there like, man. <laughs> we was out there, bro. Like spent so many hours there. And were those guys competing or what were they doing for their career? Were they just loving it? Just loving it, man. So like with, with action sports, that's different than traditional sports, right? A lot, of, a lot of dudes compete, X Games, things of that nature, and a lot of dudes don't. It's really about just creating video parts, right? Like compiling content um, and video clips over a span of, it could be six months, eight months, a year, and then you'll take that video part and put that out. And that's how you're judged amongst like, your peers in the industry. That was always the way it was? Always. When did that era get birthed? Because that's pre, um, like this was, has to be, pre, not pre-internet this is when this is pre-internet this was like dudes were creating video parts and putting them on vhs tapes and dvds like my like my first video part was on a dvd you know i mean this is pre the internet being with the internet and what it was all like grassroots distribution yeah it was like through like mail orders if you buy a magazine it'll come like the dvd will come with that or if you buy like a bike frame sometimes it'll come with that or like the bike company itself would just sell them on like their websites or in their like magazines. But brands like they are now with you weren't around it then. No, it wasn't like that. It, it, some of it, right? So you had brands like some of these energy drink sponsors, they were sponsoring guys because yeah. they were in the action sports world. Certain shoe brands were sponsoring guys. Sketchers and like right, Monster, your, those type of right, brands. Think things of that nature. Um, even brands like uh, Etnies or things of that yeah. nature, you know what I mean? Like they were sponsoring guys. Um, but it wasn't how it yeah. is now. There was no tie to hip hop culture in New York at that time, right? Or was there? It was, man, because in like the video parts, they had like every video part has music. Got it. Okay. And the dudes I was looking up to, they were riding the hip hop music. You know what I mean? Like, like if if we weren't on our bikes and we were just walking, you think like, okay, these kids are just hip hop kids. Yeah. Like it was it was that energy that got injected into. And BMX. even in the nineties, those videos yeah. too. Yeah, man. And what was the West Coast scene like? Because I always imagine like Venice Beach, that's where so much of that shit was happening. And people still do think, think it's like that, but it's so different now. You know, even on the West Coast, it was a very similar thing. It was a very, very similar thing because what happened was, be, like, again, a lot of dudes rode skate parks and whatnot, but a lot of guys didn't have, didn't have access to those skate parks. So kids like me growing, growing up in the city, if you live that far from the skate park, you can't go there every single day. So with that, the birth of street riding came along. So it's like, okay, whatever's out in the street, that's what we're going to go That's ride. the course. Yeah, yeah, the stair set, the ledge, the bench. That's what turned into what we used to ride. And what we still do ride, not used to what we still do ride. So that video, the first video that mm-hmm. you did, mm-hmm. or the first video that has 20-some-odd million views to, mm-hmm. to now, conceptually, you were doing that always. The idea always. of like riding through neighborhoods, cutting in and out of people, jumping over things, getting hit this close to getting hit by a car. <laughs> right. So you were doing all that and that became like that next evolution of what it, of what it was to be making this your life, Colin. Right. We've been always doing that forever. And then what what kind of happened when, was it social media? Was it... Uh, like just YouTube was it a birth of that era that then kind of s- like 
like signified that you were now going to take what you had been doing, getting paid for these niche DVDs, and that production with Victor Cruz and everything that you did was like to me it was like a theatrical that was like right. a theatrical release. That was the thing. What went into the whole prep and the whole thought behind? It? And if no one's seen that video, they have to watch it. It's yeah. still. Um, I had seen it so many times in the past, forgot, watched it earlier today, and you're still on the edge of your seat watching right. you go through the city. It's it's a classic, man, and there's so much that happened in between, like, me turning pro and that video happening, right? So I turned pro when I was 18 years old, right? So I was really young. So that's like 2004? 2005, I think it was, 2005, right around there somewhere. Um, 2006, maybe, some, around 2005, 2006, I turned pro. And during that time, for me, it was really about establishing myself as a professional BMX athlete. So going out there doing like the craziest things I could do on my bicycle, just from a trick standpoint, right? So we're traveling the world, literally going around the world, grinding rails, grinding, grinding ledges, jumping downstairs, like all over the world doing like the craziest tricks. And in between that, Right, on my on my nineteenth birthday, broke my wrist, and that was also a very like life changing moment. Reason being is, um, I I discovered that my professional career as a BMX athlete can be way more than just doing bike tricks. I can actually brand myself. Mm -hmm. I, I can actually do all these other things off of my bicycle. So the injury, which was that your first real injury? My first real injury, yeah. And was was it the time away that allowed you to see that? Um, so it was the time away, but also I had met this dude in my neighborhood. His name was Baby. And I met him at the bodega, just like randomly, I wanted to go get a bag of chips. So <laughs> I'm on my bicycle, like one arm in the cast, like cast up to here. Um, and I'm riding to the bodega, ran into him, and he was like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, um, A's little brother. Like, they call my brother A in, in the neighborhood. He's like, yeah, like, I heard you went pro and all these things. He's like, yeah, I just signed to Nike. I just signed to Miracle Bikes. I, both, I signed to both of those brands the same exact time, which was incredible. Came out the gate, like, on a whole nother level. I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, where? He was like, yo, like, you, you have a manager? I was like, I was like, nah, I don't know what a manager is. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, he was like, listen, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to start working with you. I was like, all right, cool, no doubt. So he started to show me kind of just like the lifestyle part of the business because he worked in, in, in music, so he knew a lot about like that whole world. And um, he started to put me onto different things. And we worked together for say, less than a year. Um, but during that time, he taught me a lot about branding, about marketing, about working with brands and whatnot. So I come out the gate. I'm riding, doing my thing. I get these sponsors out the get I turn pro I get injured I meet him he introduces me to this whole nother side of like the business and of about being an athlete and I take that and I go off on my way and start to build my brand and do all these other things so this dude from your neighborhood basically mm -hmm. right and he obviously was in the mix a bit mm -hmm. but he was the one that you could point to that opened your eyes to the fact that this was bigger than these dvd videos and bigger right. than this niche community 100 percent. and it, it was a niche community right yeah still is and you weren't making money at, at all by that point no, i was making money at that point i was still living at home but i was making money people what was it people were paying you tr like come over to Paris and bike here or fly different places? No, so so I signed with Nike and I had like a multi-year deal at 18 years old. 
Got it. And okay. I signed with like with Miracle Bikes and had a multi-year deal. You know what I mean? Like so I was on like an actual like annual like income from like from these by brands. eighteen nineteen already by, by eighteen years and old. And they were paying you as a sponsor to go and travel, do tricks. There was no competitions, no competitions. ever. It was always just about be Nigel Sylvester about, about doing my thing. And how was the footage getting distributed at that point? Just DVDs and yeah, it was it was mostly like DVDs. And then you get hurt. Yeah. You see that it's bigger than that. Yeah. And when you get back on the bike, what changes? What starts to happen then? I get back on the bike and I'm more hungry than ever. I feel like I never got an opportunity to show people why I turned pro. So then when you get back on the bike, what was the shift in mentality or thought process approaching everything you were doing? Um, I wanted to go as hard as possible, you know, because I feel like I didn't have a chance to really show people why I turned pro from the point I turned pro. You know what I mean? So um, it was like super locked in on riding and making sure I'm dropping like hammers on a bicycle, but then also thinking about the business side of it. Like how far can I take this thing? What other brands can I work with? What other opportunities can I can I manifest? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, this has me thinking. I always try to find parallels. It's just like and and take everything that people like you that have been great at something say and and then like think about like I told you what it is that um that drove you cuz you have to work. I'm sure yeah. the hours you put on this bike were like unworldly people can't even imagine and when you were hurt it was like you were missing that um that reception that you got as a kid like people weren't giving you that same feeling you weren't getting that validation and when you got on the bike you knew what it was like to not be in your life in the same right. way on top of it this this guy gave you this like motivation that this mm. was bigger you know like this was a lifestyle but did you feel like that you got back on the bike and it was like i can't not feel that way again yeah, man. Like I wanted, I wanted that feeling for sure. But beyond the validation from others, it fueled me. Like landing a trick is probably the best feeling for me ever. You know what I mean? Like putting my mind towards something, saying, "Bet I want to go out and I want to grind up this rail and do a one eighty bar spin out of it." Visualizing it, getting to the spot, doing that trick, whether it takes one time or whether it takes a hundred times. But when I actually land it. That's the feeling that like feels like nothing else That's in this world. That's the maniacal shit. I saw the Tony Hawk documentary. Mm -hmm. Do you see it? No, I haven't seen it yet. He did a trick over and over and over again. He kept falling, and he was only like minimal pads on his elbows oh. and knees. Mm -hmm. Body blow after body blow, yeah, but like he that. couldn't stop. Have you had 100 takes where you're busting your ass, but you know you can't stop? 100%. Like, there's been times where I've traveled back and forth to LA multiple times to land one trick. It'd Why? Like that. <laughs> Cause I love it. And the rush you it. get from landing the trick. Right. That it's, it's the rush you get from landing the trick. For me, it's, if I put my mind towards something, I have to accomplish it. It's that feeling of purpose, that feeling of accomplishment. Um, it's, it's all those things. It's me wanting to be one of the best to ever touch a bicycle. And knowing that I have to go land this to accomplish that as well. So if, if LeBron and MJ can't ever have it decided who the greatest ever is, <laughs> and we have stats and championships and mm -hmm. games, what is the credential like for you to feel that way? For you to say, I want to be the best biker ever. Is it the who the talk? Yeah, it's the talk. It's it's the body of work. 
you know, like when it's when it's all said and done, right? Like when someone goes back and look at my body of work from even before going turning pro to when I'm done, like that right there is gonna be the resume of why. I get it. You know, I get it. Like yeah, because like I don't ride contests, I don't have gold medals, all, all these things, right? But there's so many other things impact. that I've been able to accomplish, right? And like the impact itself, you know, that goes way beyond a gold medal or riding a contest or anything like that, you know? Is it a diverse sport? Um, yeah. Yeah. Was it like that when you started? Not as much. And is it an accepting community? For the most part. For like for the most part, I've definitely had my adversity, I've had my challenges, um, but for the most part, it, it it is an accepting community. And all male, or is a lot of women. There's a lot of women riding now, which and is dope. That's good. That's new. Yeah, it's it's definitely new, and they're dope. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're doing dope tricks. Like they're like pushing the bar. Whole Spire. different swag. So back to this. GoPro video that right, I was talking right, about. Go, so, yep. so now you are you're back on the bike. Mm. You've started to show the world who you are, and, yeah. and you know it's different. You're going with more energy. Was this one of those inflection points? Do you feel like your star went to a whole other level after that? Yeah. The so like you're talking about the Go series. Yeah. So the um, the Go series was definitely a moment where the trajectory of my career changed because. Prior to that, I've been, I was pro for, say, eight years prior to releasing the Ghost Series. And I used all of what I learned in those prior eight years. Everything from bike riding, um, things I knew about marketing and branding and, and about my audience. And I put all of that into the first Go film. And what it did was it created accessibility and an access point for people to interact and enjoy my brand that didn't ride bicycles you know because i realized there was a big part of my audience that didn't ride bicycles like they were into what i was doing whether they liked the sneakers i was creating or or certain collaborations i was doing or some uh, some of the other content i was creating they enjoyed my brand for that not necessarily because they knew what trick i was doing so I was like, man, like, how do I continue to service my entire audience? How do I continue to entertain? I need to create a piece of content that allows everyone to have something in there that they can enjoy and, and speak to, or that's just my favorite part. And that's how the Ghost series came about. And like that first video that we shot in New York on a shoestring budget, literally, <laughs> we had maybe a few thousand bucks, if that, and we blew the whole budget on the last shot, which we had to rent a helicopter for. The rest of it was just favors that we asked for. And that video, man, it went viral in a matter of, of days. Man, there were like broadcasts and, 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 and TV stations and, and media outlets and websites from all around the world like hitting me directly like, can we post this video? We love it. And I was like, okay, we got something here. I knew at that point we, like, we had something. And you just shot that with the GoPro on the bike? We shot it with... Um, we shot it with a Sony action cam. So at that point in time, I was signed to Sony. Okay. And they had just released this, this, this small action camera, um, which was like the rival to, to GoPro. Oh, rival to GoPro. Yeah, so let's clear GoPro. this up. This <laughs> right. is the Go series. No GoPro right. plug GoPro for this GoPro was one. not involved GoPro, you at did all. not see the vision that <laughs> Sony saw. Sony, Sony seen the vision at, um, at that point in time. 
And like they seen the vision in me as an athlete. Yeah. I keep it 100. Like they didn't actually see the vision of the <laughs> Go series at that point in time, but they seen it after the, the success of the first one. Um, but I shot it all on the Sony action cam and we just put it on YouTube. We had no marketing strategy behind it. It was really just like, I'm put it on YouTube and see what happens. And that thing ran up so many numbers, man. And like you said, now it's over 20 million views and counting. And it's something that people can still watch and be like, oh, this is, this is one of a kind. Yeah, you know insane. what I mean? That's like your, um, you know, have these moments throughout your career that, you know, I think about when they uh, induct someone into the Hall of Fame in a sport mm. and there's like a clip that has to run or there's <laughs> like they, they read out all the MVPs you won and like without question, you know, that, that video will be like next to you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, and it sure. embodies like who you are as someone that's gotten to know you, right? Like it's New York, it's your tie to sports, it's your tie to culture in general. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of, you know, the, the, a one-on-one, somebody that could do something that really like is what like stereotypically people say in New York is like, oh, that's a crazy ass bike rider weaving <laughs> in and out of traffic and you made it right. this beautiful piece of art. Right. And to me, that's like the difference between you and a lot of your peers and why, you know, everyone in our office knows who you are, but everyone would point to something different. And that's what I think is like, you know, a rare thing about you. But I could imagine that for you, it's like you want to remind people all the time, like, hold up, this got me here. Like, this bike got me here. 100%, man. Like, that's, that's something that is at the top of my brain all the time, is to keep that bicycle at the forefront of everything I do. There's so many things I do that I'm off my bicycle nowadays, but I want to make sure people know that the bicycle is what's got me here, right? Like the dedication to perfecting my craft at being one of the best to ever touch a bicycle, um, to leave a mark, not just on BMX, but the sports world in general. Like I look at it that wide now. And I think you have done that. And now it's like this era of your life is adding to it and cementing it you know what i'm saying and continuing to to rise um you know up the ladder where you are talked about with elite athletes from their respective sports right so the back to the instrument the mic the paintbrush all the things the, the actual canvas like we talked about have you rode one style of bike your whole career yeah, it's pretty much been my, my BMX bike, which is a 20-inch bicycle. I've rode other bicycles, of course, because I just love bicycle riding, but that BMX bike is my main tool, and still is. And I, and I saw a video that you um, that you did, I think, with Uninterrupted, where you talk about how, like, there's really no extra shocks or any protection within it's the not, bike. It's, like, as bare bones as possible, right? Not, yeah, my, my bike's about 24 pounds. There's no brakes, no bells, no whistles, like... It's, it's, it's just everything I actually need. There's nothing extra on my bicycle. Um, don't wear pads, none of that. You never wear pads? No. Nah. Helmet? Mm -mm. <laughs> when I was super younger, I used to wear certain yeah. things, but nowadays I don't. Yeah, I guess you know? it, the, it wouldn't be as dope seeing you yeah. rolling through the hood with a helmet. Yeah, and nah, all of that just wouldn't be fine. Um, how bad have injuries been? Um, I get asked this question all the time. And so, yeah, fucked by my broken wrist. Um, beyond that, it's just been like, nicks and bruises, sprains. Um, but other thing, right, it's not just like, okay, he doesn't get hurt. No, <laughs> it happens. My shins are chewed up from like the pedals hitting my shins. But when I say like I love bike riding, I literally love it and I work at it so hard. Like I do train and practice like nonstop. It's what I do, you know what I mean? Like I said earlier, like I would 
would fly around the world multiple times to land a certain trick because it's that it's that important. You know, there's certain things that certain tricks. I was the first bike rider to ever do those tricks. Yeah, and that didn't happen by accident. It took a lot of hours, right? They say like you have to put ten thousand hours in to see any kind of success with with anything. Yeah, I felt like I've put ten thousand hours in ten times and still counting. You know what I mean? Yeah, because um, it's that important to me. It's amazing, and you still love it the same. Like, yeah. Did you bike here? No, I drove here, but. It would have been dope if you were like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because people think I ride my bike everywhere and they're like, yeah, yeah, I do. I ride my bike a lot of places, but you I'm still- also sponsored by Mercedes Benz. Yeah. So I would jump I, in a Benz too. <laughs> well played. Here. Good flex, baby. That's a great flex. Um, what happens when you go back home now? It's love. All I'm love, my right? Mom. Yeah, it's love, man. And I'm seeing kids in the neighborhood ride and they're like, yo. What's up? And they're showing me love and asking me questions, and it's dope. Cause I'm like, man, like I grew up riding these exact streets that you guys are on, like up and down Merrick Boulevard for hours. Like, even like during the summertime when I was a kid, like the cats used to hang out in front of the corner store, right? And they'll see me go up and down for hours. And some of those guys would see me now and laugh about it. It's like, oh, that's what you was doing yeah. the whole time. I was like, yeah, I had I had this idea, I had this dream in my in my mind that I had to execute. Like I wanted to reach the highest level. And this is what it took. That's cool, man. That there's people back in your old hood that are like, you know, who used to bike through here, man? <laughs> right, right. And now there's kids riding up and down those like same exact streets or in the skate yep. park and kind of their own rendition of chasing like their dreams. Like they may not be riding a BMX bike, it may be a motorbike or it may be a mountain bike, whatever it is. But that that like influence is radiating through my my neighborhood, and it's it's really dope to see, man. Well, it's people like you, or I'll use Rich Paul in, in this example, that we're like, you know, you, you remember like Biggie rap in the 90s, like the only way out is a wicked jump shot or you're slinging crack rock, right. but that's not true anymore, right? So no. like there's people that see you with a Jordan shoe mm. and are like, yo, right. I can't hoop, but I, let me try to get let me try to get this bike or let me mm. try to be a sports agent and right. build my own sports enterprise like Rich did. There's so mm. many different ways to enter into, you know, hip hop, enter into the sports world. And you've paved this clearly for people back home. You mm. feel like young people um, see this as a viable option now? hundred percent. And the reason I say that is because those kids hit me on IG or whatever social media platform all the time. Like there's a, there's a rising BMX scene in Ghana. That's dope. And from what I'm seeing on the video clips, these kids are getting nice super quickly. Yeah. So it's definitely on my list of places to go this year is to go out there and, and like show and like show them some love. You know, and like you speak about me having um a sneaker with Jordan brand, you know, like and being like the first BMX athlete to ever sign with Jordan brand. It's crazy, right? It's like crazy. we know how much MJ means to the world of sports and just culture in general. And, you know, signing to, to that brand um, for being a, a BMX athlete and being really, really good at what I do to the point where, like, we just put out that, this, like, one of my, like, new shoes, right? Putting out that shoe, like, there's a kid somewhere in the world that's like, oh, yeah, I can ride a bicycle one day and get a shoe, shoe. you know what I mean? And achieve this level of success and, like, be able to, like, do these things over something I love. And that's important, man. Yeah. That's super important. It's incredible. So, and I mean, Jordan, Mercedes, you said two, two elite ones. But I remember last time we met and we talked about a lot of the brands you were working with. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, 
I'm jealous of this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, give me your portfolio again. Right. So uh, Jordan brand, Mercedes-Benz, <laughs> Specialized Bikes, um, Montclair, <laughs> Smart Water. Nice. Um, Ethica Underwear. A new cologne. Oh, yeah. That's just a, a one-off partnership. One yeah, but, um, I mean. It's well, still, it's yeah, still it's super fire. Exactly, man. It's super you fire. I mean, it's, it's fire. It's a clone brand called Azaro. Um, you do, like, tennis player deals. Like, Roger Federer, Coco Goff, Serena Williams. Like, that's what I think is so incredible. Like, mm. the brands, Mercedes, Montclair, they surround themselves with greatness. Jordan. PlayStation. PlayStation. Xset Gaming Company as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an amazing roster of brands that I work with. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone, but it's an amazing roster of brands I work with. Um, and it's and for me, it's not just oh, I have these amazing brand partnerships. Like, it's a testament to my dedication to what I do, my vision, um, and also it's an amazing opportunity to work with these brands and and get my ideas out. You know what I mean? Like these these are some of the biggest and best brands in the yeah. world. And they see the value in me. I see the value in them. And it's a true partnership. You know, it's not just like, oh, let's slap your our logo on you when you do what you do. And it's not just like me signing up, taking a check. Like, no, I challenge these brands every day to do the right thing or to like for us to continue to progress in like the right way, you know? We and it and it's gotta make you feel good because Clearly, Mercedes wasn't like, let's get in the BMX space. You know what I'm saying? So you transcended it to this like place where they see you as someone that can impact their brand globally. And that's a testament to your work, man, and to, to your style and to uh, your big brother's freshness as a kid because you clearly like watched it. And it's always about watching influences and then making it your own. And I'm sure there's a ton of young people that are like, yo, I'm doing the Nigel. Like, I'm pulling this joint off. <laughs> now it's fire. Someone actually posted a a video of their daughter on a bicycle and a pair of cement threes and was like, this is influenced by you. And I was like, man, like when I see things like that, it's like, okay, it's all those long hours, yeah. right? <laughs> all those bruises, all, all of like the, the pain, both literally and figuratively to get to this point, seeing that makes it worth it. Yeah. It's incredible, you know? man. And in the future, some of the things I remember you talked to me about was wanting to create an experience, something that, was an embodiment of all the things you love and be able to bring that back to, to your sport. We just teamed up with Remova and they're creating me a one of one bike travel case. Amazing. So this is the first Remova travel case ever. And it's sick. sick. <laughs> it's you, sick. The bike, what folds up. So I'll take my bike apart and I can put it in the bag. So for years I've traveled, um, with, uh, a travel golf case. <laughs> I repurposed a golf bag pretty much almost my entire career to travel with my bike because there hasn't been any like really dope options for like a bike case. Um, so I teamed up with Remova. We've been talking about some stuff, and and this is one of the projects that's coming out of the conversations we've been like, we've been having. I got a chance to literally like sit with the Remova designers and and talk about my needs, talk about my wants, and we made this bag and like. It's it's so dope because it looks futuristic and and it has like the classic Remova like rigid aluminum and um yeah it's something I feel people are gonna like really like it's for enjoy. sale or like a one on one no it's just it's a one on one for me amazing May is National Bike Month so we're going to do a bunch of things with my foundation not just Vesta Foundation one being we teamed up with Chase Bank 
and we're another, launching look at that. another one <laughs> right another one and we're launching a financial literacy program in springfield high school which is a high school that's in my old neighborhood Amazing. so it's a four-week program for seniors about to graduate and go into college to teach them about cybersecurity, teach them about um bank accounts um and credit so Amazing, I think that's bro. super dope. Because you know what's crazy? Like, so many interviews, sometimes you hear people say, how come school didn't teach us the things we actually need to know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that was one of the ideas that sparked this collaboration between the Nigel Foundation, the Nigel Sylvester Foundation and Chase. It was like, man, let's actually give these kids something they can actually use now and the rest of their yeah. lives. Without question. I, it's so amazing you say that because, you know, I didn't finish school. <clears throat> and as I've started to get older in life, um, you know, I'm proud of some of the successes that I've had, but I also can see where uh, foundational education would have been beneficial, you know, and learning some of these things on the fly that you, you know, that you had the opportunity to learn when you were younger, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And that like, yeah, a bike can bring all these things to you, but shit, like coupled with right. sky's the limit. Exactly, man. Like I feel for, for you, for me, like a lot of things we learned was trial by fire. Yep. You know, we had to just get thrown in there and we figured it out. Um, so through the through my foundation, using the bicycle and, and and cycling culture as like as a way to provide access to communities in need, kids in need, yep. um, is something that like we're like we're focused on. Are you a Mets fan? You're wearing a Yankee hat. I'm a New York City kid, man. Me I'm too, me too. Rep. But we're Mets. <laughs> you know we're from Queens. Like, we're from Queens. Queens. I'm, a, I'm a always rep. You know what happened too? So twenty. 17, I threw out the first pitch at the Mets game. That was oh, my first time throwing a pitch out at the game. Yeah, and we How'd did, you I, do? I did pretty good. I did, I did better than 50. <laughs> that was the worst ever, bro. <laughs> and we did, um, we did a Mets Go collaboration on, um, on, on, on two hats. Oh, that's um, cool. So I, that was like, that's pretty cool. So I got an opportunity to like ride my bike on the field, um, shot in, in, the, in, the, in the stadium. It was, it was pretty dope. That's dope, man. Yeah, it was fire. Shout out to the Mets. Shout out to the Mets. You know Queens mean? in the house. Well, Queens is definitely in the house. Um, all right, well, my man, appreciate you. I hope Thank you. Um, you had a good time. It's always oh, fun yeah. learning more and more about your story. It's really incredibly impressive what you built. And I think what the biggest shock to everyone listening should be is that you're only 30, 35. 35 years old. Right. That's scary. I got so much more to go, man. So much more scary hours. How long can you ride a bike? The rest of your life? I mean, yeah, people ride for entire lives, man. Yeah, well, they, they don't ride it with no hands in between <laughs> traffic, though. They ride it, I mean, like, to the store. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, like, I may not be jumping over cars and whatnot when I'm 60 who knows you know right. like medicine and science nowadays is <laughs> yeah. going through the roof so who knows but that classic line of ride to the wheels fall off that's that's you that's what I plan to do that's me all day my man well thank you so much man, thank you tune in boardroom.tv subscribe download thanks for listening enjoy speak to you all soon